Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast. My name is John Kalfa. Let's talk about some wolves. Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast, episode one. I am your host, John Kalfa, along with my producer, Stephen Rivera, uh, sitting to my left. And across from me on the other set of comfy couches here in <laughs> here at Wolf Connection is our CEO and founder, Teo Alfaro. Teo, thank you for being on the intro episode to this uh, wonderful venture that we're on. Oh, thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. Uh, I know the walk is tough. It's only about 200 feet. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was a trick. <laughs> it was a trick. Um, so we want to First start off, for those of us who, who are listening, who are just getting engaged in this podcast about what Wolf Connection actually is, it's been 11 years now. I don't know if you can believe that yourself, Yep, that uh, this started 11 years ago. So just give us a brief background of how this all began 11 years ago. Well, Wolf Connection started in 2009 and out of uh, fate, if you might. You know, I wasn't really looking to start a, a Wolf Sanctuary and... But I, I was looking for two things. I was on, one, on the one side trying to find a um, more powerful way to engage young people, trying to find a way to get them to open up and trust and, and uh, consider a different way of living. On the other hand, I got to adopt a little wolf dog puppy named Tala that needed help. And looking for a playmate for her, I found a pack of 16 wolves and wolf dogs that needed help. And then... Um, when I met them, instead of adopting one, my, my, my heart went out. I decided to stay and volunteer and help out. And on a total crazy whim, a couple of months, months later, I decided to adopt all 16 of them. And that was the beginning of Wolf Connection. So you say you're, and you're, you're a teacher and you're, you're a motivator. You, you speak and you, and you work with youth for the majority of your life. What were some of the things that you saw were a catalyst with wolves and wolf dogs as opposed to other animals that are used for therapy, horses, dogs, for instance? What, was, what were the things that you saw coming with these kids when they interacted with Tala or some of the other early ancestors who are no longer with us here at Wolf Connection? Well, thank you for asking that. First off, I, I wish I had a, a, a smart answer to that question. The truth is, I did not know that wolf would be so therapeutic and so effective working with people. Initially, I thought I was still looking for a way to engage young people in need. And I was also uh, trying to find a home for these wolves and helping them out. So for me, initially, it was two separate paths. And then I invited, um, by then I remember I just lectured at uh, Hollywood High School. So I invited the senior class to come to Wolf Connection to meet the wolves. That was it. I mean, just a, 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 a high. And when I saw them, I saw the, the young people interacting with the wolves. I began seeing those that were really shy beginning to open up. Those were that, that didn't want to say anything, sharing uh, their lives. Um, they somber and, and closed up, laughing just by, by meeting the animals. So I began to realize that maybe the two paths that I was looking for began to come together. I know there's a story you always share and it's in your book. Uh, Teo has written a book. It's, it's on Amazon. It's called The Wolf Connection. If you guys want to look it up, there's a story that you share with one particular student that you had that was a lot of things that you were just speaking about. Shy, a little bit closed off, scared of large canines and how she opened up when, I believe, it was it Rocky or was it Tala? I can't remember the ancestor there. Yeah, that remember? instance happened at the same time of the visit. Right. Uh, about around the same time of this uh, visit from Hollywood High School. 
So this was a, a young um, woman, uh, 15 or 16 years old, that in foster care that uh, had been attacked by a dog when she was a, a, a toddler. So she had this fear, this phobia of, of dogs. And her therapist brought her over to work on that. And then initially, she uh, didn't want to even come close to the enclosures and to the fence and, and began to do some introductions through the fence. And then eventually, I proposed to go for a little walk. And then we got Simba and Rocky. And then we, um, we went for a little stroll. And initially, she was about 40, 50 feet from, from me with her therapist. And then, you know, naturally, she began to, you know, gravitate towards the, the animals. And within 20 minutes or so, she was walking next to me and another five or 10 minutes. And, you know, obviously Rocky, you know, the way he was, he turned around and greeted her and, and that began to uh, brought tears to her eyes. And next thing you know, they are kneeling on the floor and Rocky's like pawing and licking her and rubbing, scent rubbing over her. And so there was a combination of, you know, tears and laughter and tears again. And, and that was the beginning of... Uh, uh, healing journey for this young woman to the point that she became a volunteer. She, uh, until she graduated high school, she was uh, a regular volunteer at Wolf Connection. She actually helped me name some of the uh, first wolves that were rescued. What do you see, especially in those early years, that was such a, a jumping off point for you to make this connection and to really merge these paths that you were on? Because that's, to me, that's such a touching story about how an animal coming from a past that is not so great to an individual who also comes from a past of, you know, some sort of trauma and then merging together and having such a deep connection just through a walk. How, is, how do you feel that that works itself out? Or what have you seen just over the course of time? There's um, several layers to that question. One is, a piece that we teach the kids here at the ranch often is, you know, the, your purpose, your mission in life, your, your um, um, you know, vision quest doesn't come out, doesn't manifest the way you think. You know, many, many of us think, of, well, we do a vision board and then we do a business plan and then we figure it all out and that's how the way it's going to work, right? And that was not the case for me. I knew I wanted to be of service. I, I knew I wanted to help uh, youth more powerfully. And then all this came together in a very, very um, holistic, uh, integral way. That's one side. On the other side, what we began to discover is this ancestral connection between human and wolves that is extremely, extremely therapeutic and extremely healing. You know, now uh, I speak about this in the book. Science has begun to confirm or suggest what um, traditions around the world have been talking about for millennia, which is the wolf is the first animal we're ever associated with. And we have been journeying with wolves, traveling with wolves, hunting with wolves. We have been copying their socio social structure. The way we take care of our young is, uh, is, is uh, an imitation of how the wolves do it. Our, our, the way we, you know, any native or, or indigenous tribe it's organized pretty much like a wolf pack, you know, having the leaders and the enforcers and the hunters and the and the caretakers of the of the of the village. So now coevolutionary biologists believe that after all, so many generations of co-evolving with wolves, we have a memory of this connection in our DNA. 
So what we propose here at Wolf Connection is that when these young people come in contact in presence of the wolves, they this memory is activated and then they begin to remember who they are at a primal level, an ancestral level, and that creates a new beginning for them. And it's something that you, you we speak to this all the time, but something that you just said sparked me uh, for another question is that we there are so many myths and tales and stories surrounding wolves in general for whatever the reason, as you said, if we've been connecting for tens of thousands of years with this one specific animal, this being for so long, there's bound to be different iterations of how we view it and how to break those stereotypes. We see it all the time in Hollywood. We see it in the way even fairy tales from a couple hundred years ago, how the wolf is perceived. Uh, can you go into that? If there's, I know you you spoke about some other fables and fairy tales that were actually switched around uh, I think just as recent as a couple hundred years ago, right? Absolutely. The Any culture, any tradition where there is or there used to be wolves, which is pretty much the entire Northern Hemisphere, the wolf is rega- regarded as the teacher. And the teacher of what? The teacher of uh, survival, the teacher of, of um, um, altruism and courage and, and social values and integrity and heart. And around the time of the witch hunts, around the, you know, the, the 11th, 12th century, those uh, stories began to change. We began to, um, you know, this cloak of darkness <laughs> began falling on, right. on humanity. And anything that uh, until then was sacred to all the pagan traditions and so on uh, began to be demonized. So, and the wolf was one of them. I mean, the wolf became from, you know, uh, from the, the, the teacher and the, and the brother and sister to the bloodthirsty animal that's coming after your kids, right? And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, humans, we are creatures of short, um, long-term memory, you know, short, long-term. <laughs> short, long-term, yeah. yeah. exactly. So, I mean, within a couple of, the studies on this, but within a couple of generations, which is, you know, 30 to 50 years, we can completely eradicate social beliefs and tradition and completely go into something new, especially if fear is present. So if the tales of the bloodthirsty killer wolf that is, you know, stalking the village and will kill whoever is not paying attention is settles and you push it enough, everybody will, will just in case, go for it. So what are some of the things that you did early on to sort of break that that tradition or that the reasoning for people to believe that? Because again, well, as we all know, sitting in this room, we work with an animal that is politicized, unfortunately, on both sides of the spectrum. So early on, what is what were some of the tools that you used to sort of put the ease for these young young people to come in and trust? an animal that maybe they have a preconceived notion of? We tackle many fronts on that, on, in that regard. One is, you know, I spoke at the uh, state hearings to keep the wolves protected in California. That was something that happened a few years back and I was, I was part of that. On, this, on the social and cultural side, with the young people that come to the ranch, what we do is just set up a parallel with their own lives. These, the, the young men and women that come to, to the ranch, they have been ostracized and 
and uh, segregated and pushed aside and labeled. And when they understand what how it feels to be labeled themselves, is a very very simple you know extrapolation to how the wolves have been seen and how quick we are to dismiss an animal that has such value, not only in nature, but also in our ancestral culture and, and, you know, minimize, you know, diminish it to a, to a something dangerous and to avoid and destroy. Yeah. Cause we've seen those of those who are listening, who haven't seen there's there's a video that is popular on YouTube. You can probably find it where in Yellowstone, after they reintroduced the first breeding pair back into Yellowstone, everything started to shift back to normal. They would probably say, and I know you visited Yellowstone a couple of times in terms of how wolves are so dynamic to the ecosystem. They need to be there. They are really the ones that keep everything in balance. And that's something that needs to be taught more often than not. Yes. I mean, that's, that's something that I think we all need to know that they're, that they're teachers of that way. Right, so I'm not a, I'm not I'm, I'm not a biologist, so you know I'm if I'm not kosher on the explanation, you know, please right. forgive me. Now, what I, the way I understand it is that uh, the top predator, the apex uh, um, predator in an environment, is the one to um, can establish a cascade effect in the environment. So they keep the the hoofed animals in, in check. They, by in, in chance, uh, in in turn. Uh, keep the landscape green and the predation on certain plants is kept, uh, kept uh, in check and that uh, provides uh, environment for certain birds and insects and lizards and other fungi, fungi and, and the whole thing is a cascade effect. So the video you're referring to uh, describe that in a way to say, you know, the, the riverbanks actually got consolidated because it's less... Um, uh, vegetation, I veg- think, around right, right. vegetation, you know, erosion, and so, and then, so the 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 um, creatures that live in the river begin to, you know, repopulate. I mean, the whole thing comes back to life. I mean, biologists say the pre- the apex predators are the ones to keep the landscape green. Yeah, and it's it again. It's that misconception, and it's the thing that I'm sure you we we've all taken upon ourselves to try and teach these things to any of the adults even that come here that have that preconceived notion of what wolves or wolf dogs may be. So when, you, when you've when you taken a, a trip, I, I don't know how many times you've been to Yellowstone. I know it's a handful. What are some of the similarities then that you've seen with our pack here that is very unnatural? All these wolves or wolf dogs come from different situations, different traumas. Some are more wolf than others. So what are some of the similarities that you see even with a with a pack that is here at the ranch as opposed to out in Yellowstone? I was, um, you know, your question re- reminds me of, a, of an instance with my wife watching wolves, you know, through the, through the um, scopes. And, and she began to say, well, you know, look at that one. She behaves exactly like Jay-Z. And I said, that one, that's Kenai. And right, I mean, like the body language and the, the playfulness and the, you know, some of them, you know, the stoic behavior, the, you know, the, the fluidity, the way they were prancing on each other. I mean, wolves are wolves are wolves. Now, there are um, big differences in between um, wolves in the wild and wolves in captivity. Most of the most of it has to do with, first of all, the packs here at the ranch 
are artificially formed by us. As we rescue the animals, we put them together and they don't have the, the freedom to, you know, go to another pack or go to live with someone else. They live where we put them. So that creates, uh, most animals in captivity develop uh, different neuroses around uh, space and food and, and uh, water and resources. So that, uh, you know, creates a little bit more competition, a little bit more um, uh, protectiveness, and, uh, you know, over resources. Uh, other than that, and the behavior is very, very similar. And it's interesting that you say that with the freedom to find your own pack, where a lot of times as humans, it's amazing how similar that dynamic is, is we're able to go across this globe at any point in time and really find our pack or our individuals that we sort of gravitate towards and make our own way. And it's interesting that you say that going back to a little bit earlier that humans and wolves really have that similarity. And we're able to see that almost play out in real time on a daily basis. And even with the kids that come here, you form groups in school, you form friendships in school that way. You bring up an interesting point. The Initially, the early man belonged to one pack, one tribe, one group. And that remained the same for many, many, many years. Eventually, now for our modern times, this is a piece that we teach on our uh, team building programs and, and corporate programs. We have a multi-pack existence, right? I mean, you and I, we are part of this team in a certain capacity. And then you go home and you home your probably the beta or the, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably, I'm probably a beta at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And then you get together with your high school pals and, and, and you have that role and then you get together at work and you have that role. So we have this multi-pack existence that requires a lot of fluidity and a lot of adapt constant adaptation that we sometimes don't even realize that we play different roles in the different packs that we belong to. And how tough, that's such a tough, aspect to grab sometimes because I think there's a lot of people who believe they are just the one, they are the alpha and that's the only role they can play. And there, maybe there's- That's called insecurity. <laughs> you said it, I mean. <laughs> but I, but don't, you, don't you feel that sometimes with, when we see certain individuals who come here and they feel that they're put in a box and this is the box that they're meant to play. And it's, it's interesting to see how some of our animal, some of our wolves here have evolved from one role when they maybe first got here, they were rescued and we pegged them as a beta and maybe they've moved over to be a nanny now and how that's, it's okay for that to happen and that there's, there's freedom to do that. Sure. And that's, uh, that's called, uh, you know, um, confidence, right? Uh, the, the ability to, you know, one of the wolf principles that we, we teach uh, the, the kids is uh, wolves know how to lead and how to follow. Meaning, having the fluidity to lead when it's called, when a lead when you know what you're doing also. I mean, when it's your subject matter and, and when you are in the right place to help and then be able to follow someone else when it's time to adapt and, and organize um, activities, right? Uh, so wolves work in this rotational leadership system and that there's a lot to be said about humans learning that. And it's, it's really an, it's a, it's a natural thing that we see. And I, I bring it back to that because we've seen it even with wolves in captivity to see those, it, it's really evolving into yourself and really fully understanding that the way you are as a pup or as a young child isn't necessarily the way that you'll grow up to be. And it's like, it's like you said, having that freedom and having those 
that comfortability around you to be able to evolve into what you actually are at the end of it. Right. You're talking about self-leadership. So the, another portion of the program that we, we teach young men and women here is that you lead from where you are. So we have uh, this, you know, Western, you know, over, over self-engrandizing way of living is that everybody wants to be the, the, the alpha. And we put a lot of pressure on kids in schools to, they have to become the leaders and, and they have to, you know, and I think that's setting them up for failure. I think not everybody has that personality or, or can lead or can, let's put it this way, feed the mold of what Western society considers an alpha, right? Which is very different than what an alpha really is. And self-leadership, people can, can lead as an, as an omega, can lead as a tracker, as a hunter, as a, you know, I'm going into different areas of, of our curriculum for the kids, but um, bottom line, having the confidence to be yourself. And we don't only serve youth or have these programs for youth, Teo. There are programs for adults. You've encountered veterans as well who have had these same impacts. And I know in the book, there's this beautiful story about Willow and her impact on a veteran that you, uh, if I'd love if you could share that because I, I always love this story. Sure. We started as a youth program. And yes, uh, like yeah. you said, uh, over the years, uh, adult groups, you know, uh, formerly incarcerated people and corporate groups, uh, government groups uh, come, come to experience the wolves. So the story you're referring to is a, um, a program we did with a group of veterans from um, bomb disposal units, special units. And, you know, if you are in a career in bomb disposal, you typically don't have all your limbs. And this was the case with many of these men and women, especially one, um, one man that was, uh, one side of the face was burned and he was missing an arm and a leg. And what he was sharing in general is that he, um, the biggest pain for him was not to be mutilated or the experience uh, during service was the way he was received here. And, you know, he, he came home a, a hero and then kids are afraid of him. And uh, people look at him weird because the way he looks, he's, you know, half burnt and, and he has prosthetics. So we started this program and we, we went to a facility in, in Malibu and then unload the wolves and we formed, you know, sit veterans in a, in a half moon circle to begin with a safety talk. And then the safety talk has to do with, you know, how we approach a wolf, how you safely, uh, you know, interact with them and so on. And, and we typically have a piece around the wolves are more, uh, you know, um, uh, amicable to female energy. So they come to the women first and guys don't take it personal, blah, 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 if that you know, right, they don't right. come to you, right? So in the middle of saying that, Willow's dragging my wife, Renee, across the circle, which she doesn't typically do. She was a very shy animal. Drags her across the circle, goes to this particular man, starts licking his face, and then sat on his lap and is doing this whole wiggle, snuggle, scent rubbing, licking, and nonstop. And, and this man starts bawling and, and crying and sobbing and laughing and sobbing again and laughing. And... and Eventually, he said that, you know, being picked and loved by Willow was extremely healing for him. I, yeah, I, it's, a, it's such a powerful thing to, for that to happen and just for that to, 
that to be the reaction because you don't expect those things. And it's just so beautiful for that to happen to an individual that whether they know it or not, they need that. And that's just the one thing that, that comes out of that. And I just, I, I love that story. And it's, it's so beautiful for that to happen. And that's one of the many gifts the wolves bring. I mean, I, I mentioned Rocky earlier. Rocky used to have the, you know, he, he's, he's passed now, but he used to have this gift to pick in a crowd the person that was the most afraid of dogs. Right. Period. <laughs> I remember you said He this. would plow through a group of people and the person sitting in a chair in the back, not right. wanting to interact and holding their breath. He would come to that person and put a paw on their lap and then nuzzle them or lay on their feet. And then we get to find out that they have dog phobias and, you know, terrified of dogs, that kind of stuff. And invariably, each time that person ends up interacting with Rocky and, and receiving love and in many cases healing their phobias. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Um, we're going to... We're going to stop there, but there's so much more that we're going to get in with you uh, in later episodes. We're, we're going to bring you back. We're going to talk about your book. Uh, just give everybody, please, the title of the book, where they can find it, and give them your social media. I believe you're Teo Alfaro on Instagram, and teoalfaro.com is your website as well, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, and then the book is uh, The Wolf Connection, What Wolf Can Teach Us About Being Human. Published by Simon Simon and Schuster, and it's on every book outlet. It's on, yeah. So you guys, please go and give it a look and give it a listen, uh, read it, pick it up. And our social media is here at Wolf Connection. We are Wolf Connection on Instagram, Wolf Connection on Facebook and Twitter as well. That's where you guys can really get the grasp of what happens here. You'll get to catch up and see all the stories of all the wolves, what they're doing on a day to day basis. We're posting videos, photos learn the stories of our staff and volunteers. And you're going to get more of that too as the podcast rolls on. Teo, thank you so much for being on the first episode. Can't wait to have you back so we can have a deeper conversation on some of the things we touched upon. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. So with that, howls to all of you out there. We will see you all next time.